0: We talk about clamp. <laughs> Let's see. So clamp first or um, wave first? Clamp first. Okay. Older I don't first know seven. why I can I don't know why I can never remember the order of these things. But start us off, Corey. Start us off with what you described as you know it's been too long since we've had some clamp bullshit on this podcast.
1: It hey, hasn't. Well. Welcome back to Mongoing Your Ears. My name is Corey. Helen and April are with me.
0: I did not come up with this idea, folks. This is entirely on Corey. <laughs> <laughs> Just get that out of
2: the way in the they yeah. Look,
0: I knew I wasn't going to like Suki, you
1: know. So it's like, if you really want us to. I
2: mean, and Corey's I kinda, like, I want hot takes.
1: <laughs> I kind of knew I wasn't going to like him based on what we were reading last time. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I could go through all the clamp. Um, but yeah, we're talking about... Suki, uh, Tokyo Pop put it out as Suki, A Like Story. Um, the Japanese uh, title is Suki, Suki Daka Suki, which is just a tautology that means I like you because I like you, I think. Or I like you, so I like you. Something like that. Um, and for our newer series, we're going to talk about uh, Wave, Listening to Me. We're pulling a bit of an audible. There's a lot going on around Dress Up Darling and we just don't want to deal with that shit. So. Um,
0: yeah, my me- mentions have been, like, full for a couple of days. Partially because of this, partially because of some other shenanigans going on on my Twitter. But yeah, we decided that Twitter was being even more toxic about My Dress of Darling than we expected, and so we're just putting that to the side.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and the anime having to get to that point um, that you can Google. um, Yeah.
0: Unfortunate timing for us.
1: (laughs) Yes. But anyway, we're talking about Tsuki, which is obviously not a problematic manga at all. It is about a uh, 16-year-old girl named Hina. She gets excellent grades, uh, and she lives alone with two teddy bears named Waka and Tono. Um, And then uh, next door, uh, Shio Aso shows up, and he is 32 years old. He uh, becomes also her substitute teacher. Um, Her current homeroom teacher uh, is having a baby, so... They need a sub for a little while, uh, and from there, we just kind of uh, have this bugging love story between a 16-year-old and a 32-year-old, which is not at all problematic or uh, weird, because Shiro is a teacher and he knocked is his student, um, but yeah, what do you two think?
0: And he's like some sort of secret agent sent to either kidnap her or work as her bodyguard. Since I only read the first volume, I did not bother reading
1: the other two volumes to find out the conclusion of this yeah i didn't know how far we want to get into it can i talk about yeah we're
2: gonna
1: i'm i am totally fine with <laughs> spoilers i'm going to say that we are spoiling all of suki right now if you don't want to if you don't want to listen to this part i have timestamps in the show notes skip forward to wait to listen to now
2: this. i've lost my 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 thought thread there but i i think the fir- the first thing that i didn't care for in this one was that every it seemed like everybody around the the main character whose name i've totally forgotten just that fast they they like know more than she does and they're like oh she's so sweet and like unaware and gosh if she just knew but it's like everybody else around her is like talking about her and her life and she's just like totally oblivious nobody brings her up to speed or anything like that it's like well that doesn't seem very nice so that's the first thing that stuck out to me um I thought it would have been cute. It's like in the beginning, in the beginning, it's it's cute. It just takes a little bit to get going. I'm kind of like, where is this going? It's just about this girl going to school and she has a crush on her teacher, and it, it takes a good chunk of the first volume to get going. And the way the way folks are talking around her, it sounds like something really serious like oh my gosh there's this big there's this big secret that she doesn't know she has no idea and i'm like oh my gosh what is it what are they keeping from her and then you get to the third volume like that's it i think you would have been okay if you told her in the beginning what was going on like it just did not seem like it like it needed all the secrecy that it had in um and in, in three volumes
1: yeah so bit.
0: what was it that was going on i assumed that somebody had tried to kidnap her before or something like that
1: yeah, that's that exactly what happened. And in the first volume, we don't that get seems
2: kind of like a big deal. April,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> but she she knows that, right? I guess the point I was getting to was that, like, she. So the the spoiler is, I guess, is that he is he's hired. By her father to be her bodyguard, and I re- like I thought it was gonna be just like a much larger reveal than that. I don't know because it was clamped. I didn't know if like it was gonna be something like we have magical powers. They just, like, <laughs> just wasn't like that bigger reveal. From me, like oh, your dad hired me. I'm like that's it, like, you know. And, she, yeah. and and she obviously has a crush on him or or is in love with him. So then that makes her doubt whether or not he likes her back. Like did the did he just do all those nice things because my dad my dad hired him to be my bodyguard? I just, it just didn't I really thought it was gonna be something like really large like a shadowy organization or magical powers. It just the reveal was a little smaller than I expected it to be. Not not the fact that you get that. <laughs>
0: yeah. Did he do these things because my dad told him to, or does he like me and he's a pedophile?
2: <laughs> Essentially,
1: it could be either.
2: Uh, it could be both.
1: <laughs> yeah, true. Um... But yeah, the f- the first volume is really weird. Uh, it's kind of coy, too. So I posted an image um, on my Twitter, and her friends are just like, uh, I know, that's why incidents happen. And they don't say yeah. kidnappings outright. And like later on, they do say that like they don't want to say it out loud because they don't want other people to hear. Because this is apparently a recurring issue. She has been kidnapped, I think, 19 times. Um, I think it was nine. nine. I think it was not. Okay. <laughs> Nine. Nine is still a lot of times to be taken It's a lot, so it's a so uh, lot. <laughs> um, but that's because her father always pays them. Her father is a uh, uh, the owner of the school, and um, a very rich person, because apparently, own a school and be rich, uh, own a public school <laughs> and be rich, perhaps, I don't know. Um, maybe it's a private school, and that's why he picks all, all the big bucks.
0: I mean, if you own a school, it's probably not
1: public. Yeah, true. And it's an all-girls school, so also probably not public, we are really digging down into the deep mysteries of glam here.
0: Listen, I was listening to a podcast recently where they were talking about the recent Bell movie, and someone was like, yeah, I looked up, like, actual Japanese law on the internet, um, internet law for, for this podcast. <laughs> so, you know, we're in good company.
1: Uh, yes. Um, but yeah, his, her dad... Uh, Or she wanted to get away from her dad because she keeps getting kidnapped, she doesn't want um, the workers at her home, like the servants, to be blamed for her kidnapping, so she just wants to live alone. Um, Her dad hires Shirog to be her bodyguard living next to her, coincidentally, and becoming her homeroom teacher also coincidentally, obviously. Um, Does
0: this mean that her dad got her teacher pregnant?
1: Uh, nox said in the text, so...
0: (laughs) I was mostly oh God, joking there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're talking about, you know, coincidentally becoming her comroom teacher, you yeah. know, etc. Uh,
1: yeah, I don't think we even see the other teacher until she comes back, and then we see that she is, uh, I mean, obviously not pregnant, because she um, had a child, presumably. But, um, very convenient thing to happen in, in the manga. Um, yeah, but there's also two uh, two other major characters. One is Tomoki Namiya, he is a writer who writes erotica and also children's books, um, and Kina really likes his, her, his, children's books, um, that's who he named, who she named the teddy bears after, pronouns, please, brain, work, um, and then also Kizu, who is a bodyguard, uh, a fellow bodyguard of Shiro, uh, they both worked for the secret police, um, and he comes, he comes in later on. he's not really that major, but Tomo is pretty major because of the children's book, and... Uh, he's actually writing children's book about Shiro and Hina's relationship um, in under the guise of uh, a black bear and a white bear and their bear society uh, hating the the one with the glasses, who is Shiro.
0: Sorry, I was just having flashbacks to Yuri Rashi right there. <laughs> <with> bear society <laughs> and bear metaphors. Yeah,
1: but, uh, I like to do
2: the thing with with like stories in the story, but it references what's actually going. Because I did the same thing in in Chobits with the Hmm. The children's book. Mm-hmm. And, but I, I don't know. I figure Suki is what came first. The art style looks a little bit older.
0: Yeah, I, I did not like the art style that much. Mm-hmm. I know that when you posted pictures of this on Twitter that Ed Chavez of Denpa commented with, this is my favorite Clamp manga <laughs> because he prefers his art style. <laughs> I have many questions now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But yeah, I just find the art... Uh, I mean, obviously, it's kind of dated since this is from, like, the 90s. 1999,
1: um, 2000 is when it came out.
0: Really, God, it, fe- it felt older. Yeah. I think a lot of it that annoyed me was just the specific way it would jump from, like, the characters being drawn regularly to being, like, chipified. And I follow tons of authors who still do that today, but for some reason, the way it was done here just annoyed me. Oh. <laughs> also, the digital copy I got is from Viz, but this just took all the old Tokyo Pop translations, and boy, do... Those read clunkily at times, you know.
1: Yeah, that might be why I uh, I didn't really get into this one as much to begin with. I mean, I didn't think I was gonna get into it that hard, but it, it felt like a slog uh, in the first volume. Um, and like by even through the third volume, it still felt kind of like a slog at points. Uh, I really feel like this could have been uh, a much more satisfying one-volume series, perhaps. Uh, or just you know, it doesn't have to exist. Harsh.
2: I kept wondering like what the initial idea would have been for this series. Like like they they just sat around and were like a student that falls in love with her teacher that's really her bodyguard. I just I don't know <laughs> how. <laughs> I didn't think it was terrible. I mean I thought it was cute, but but it, I think the end just really threw me. Like I, I'm still stuck on like that was it and then i was confused at the end like does he have feelings for her and then i was like i don't know where this is going <laughs>
1: so yeah we don't really get a uh, fully satisfying ending. um like it does i think, she gets unkidnapped for for the next time like she like she's kidnapped in the story and they kind of settle on um shiro and hinata are uh have a crush on each other perhaps um and I guess Shiro, did, the big plot point is like Shiro used to be a bodyguard for diplomatic guests. Um, or wait a minute, woman fell in love with blah blah blah, survived diplomatic guests, yeah. diplomatic guests. Um, but she took a bullet for him to save his life because she fell in love with him. So he just decided that he would never fall in love with anyone ever again. Um, just a big of a, a really big, uh, life decision to make based on your work. <laughs> Yeah, so, sixteen-year-olds are okay.
2: Yeah, and and so the towards the end, the people are they talk about? I guess the people around him were like, "Well, we thought maybe she would be the one to change him." Like, how do you figure that? Like, I just don't. <laughs> I'm 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 closer to the bodyguard's age than I am her age, and I'm like this doesn't make any sense. I'm a couple of years older than him, and there's no way that like if I decided that I never wanted to be in love again, that like us however old he is, fourteen, sixteen, that that would be the thing that changed my heart. Like it just <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense to me. I don't I don't know I don't know.
1: Yeah, incredibly weird manga. Um, it doesn't have uh yeah we have mentioned the art a couple times, but it doesn't have like the the in-house clamp style that we're kind of used to. With even Chobix, uh, just a couple years later, or uh, especially like Halleck or Tsubasa or things like that. Um, this was drawn by um, Mick Nekoy, who is, like, I guess, not the typical artist for, for Clamp, or maybe she changed her style um, since, uh, since she did this one. But uh, I wasn't a huge fan of the art either. Um, I mean, not that a lot is going on. But uh, it kind of looked sloppier at times, uh, certainly worse than Ray Earth, which is older. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, this is a weird one. I need to yeah, know if how weird I recall,
0: weird, if I recall correctly, she normally did more of, like, the little mascot character designs mm. and stuff like that. That's normally what she would be drawing. She wasn't usually the main artist for a
1: series. Okay.
0: Yeah, and I feel like Clamp's whole style has shifted. I mean... Obviously, their art style has changed over time, but I feel like it's shifted much more majorly. Like, I don't even know what would currently be, like, their most recent series. I guess the card soccer Sakura clear card arcs and start actually working on that. <laughs> but when I was thinking at first, I was thinking of stuff like Gate 7, which has a much more ornate style, like, even more so than place and stuff like Holic. But yeah, the style is not to my appeal. Like, even Magic Knight Rayearth isn't, like, fully my thing, but... I don't know it just has more life to it than this
1: yeah it's, uh, and I love I love the Ray earth art too uh that was really really good so whoever did that in clamp um could really especially like for the action scenes could get all this dynamic action and you're able to tell everything that's going on like not that you couldn't tell what's going on in Suki, it was just like not interesting to look at someday we'll have you read the second half of ray earth a <laughs> fine it. I asked my comic shop if the gig I can expand since we talked about ray earth
0: the internet does exist, Corey.
1: Yeah. By which I mean stuff like, write stuff. <laughs> but, uh, by Ray Earth and Digimon. Now they're tech guys.
0: We're
1: gonna write anything else with Suki, or should we call it good until the next time we talk about Clamp?
0: Wait, what's what's this about the next time?
1: <laughs> always the next time with Clamp, right?
0: Listen, if we're gonna talk about Tsubasa and Hala, we have to talk with them both together, and I'm going to require both of you to read the entire damn thing of both of them, <laughs> so you can experience my suffering. <laughs>
1: it's only 47 volumes i feel i feel like we can do that
0: yeah i don't think you guys can handle that <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right let's take a short break and then we'll talk about Wave listening to be a much better manga yeah, I
0: Welcome back. And now we are talking about... Damn it, I closed the window. <laughs> uh, we're, <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about Wave, Listen to Me by uh, Hiro... Hang on, let me get the name right. Hiroaki Samura, best known for Blade of the Immortal, which is nothing... I've never read Blade of the Immortal or seen it, but I am pretty sure it is very different from a young woman in semi-rural Hokkaido yelling into a microphone on air at like 2 a.m. about just how much she hates men, and stuff like that.
2: Don't you
1: like Blade of the Immortal, April?
2: Yeah, it's one of my favorites, actually, so this is very different. <laughs> <laughs> okay, at least you can confirm this is very different. Yes, it is very different. I was a little surprised by this one.
0: <laughs> uh, so we have Minari, who is this 20-something employee at a soup curry restaurant. She's got an attitude... And so she's basically just been fired from the soup curry restaurant, but she's working out like one of her last shifts and the radio is on and she hears herself on the radio there's a clip being played there and she recognizes it, Oh shit, that was the drunken rant I gave a guy the other night. <laughs> so she's running over to the radio station trying to get him to take it offline. Since she was talking about um how guys from Hokkaido are the worst, like and giving like very metaphorical examples. And they're like, we can't have dead air, so if you want us to take us off, you're going to have to just jump on air and start talking. She's like, okay, and she does it. And they were like, you know, we can't pay you, and it would be a really shitty time slot, but we can give you your own show. I think you could be very interesting on air. And so she ends up doing that, and she ends up staying at the soup curry place as well because the owner gets, like, hit by a car and so <laughs> has to go to the hospital for a little while. And this should be your cue that this is going to be kind of a weird series, but I find it weird in the most entertaining of ways. Like, the anime rearranged a couple of scenes, um, which I thought made it work not as well, but in this one, by, like, the second or third volume, we have Minari and one of her coworkers, who's working as kind of, like, an assistant on her show, you know, helping her record audio, showing up at some guy's apartment, because he has faxed them, you know, a please help me message, you know, I think, you know, my apartment's haunted, and they come in, and there's, like, this weird ooze dripping from the ceiling, yada yada yada. <laughs> He's got this story about a girlfriend, you know, who went missing in the mountains at one point, you know, and they find out, oh no, this ooze is actually, because Minari put, like, some meat in, like, this like meat locker in her kitchen and forgot about it, and it's, like, fallen into the crawl space. <laughs> And then it just keeps going on like that. I've read beyond where the anime stopped since I've been doing reviews over at the OSG. I'm a couple volumes behind, but I'm a, at the point I'm at. Minari and her coworker have just gotten straight up kidnapped by a cult. Like, <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> lured to a remote location and kidnapped by a cult because they want to use them to like get on air and I forget what their goals were. But it's been it's been a while since I read, last read a volume, but this is just the kind of like. Strange nonsense. I'm really into. Like, they keep mentioning offhand like these really crazy things, and then those really crazy things keep happening. And I just, I appreciate it, and I'm glad that anime got made of this, just so I could make more people experience this story. Because I was not having any luck showing it when it was just a digital only Kodansha title. Fortunately, since it has been made into an anime, Kodansha is now putting this out in print as well. Although I don't like the covers they've given it for print. They like, added some word bubbles of Minari swearing on them. And I, I just felt like that was over the top. We just didn't need that. I felt like her expression spoke well enough. So did either of you guys enjoy the story?
2: I don't know yet. It was so different for me. I picked it up just because I knew it was the same author as Blade of the Immortal. I honestly <laughs> knew that it was not Blade of the Immortal. But I've had it for a while, and I read a little bit of it when I first bought it. I'm like, I don't know. This is different. And it's been sitting on my shelf ever since, so I read it for the podcast. I think I need at least another volume. I think for me it, it it ended before I really got attached to the main character and I also think I might like it better in anime form. For me the like the the kind of drug a little bit and I think maybe if I saw it animated I would like it better. I think it would be funnier. But I, I think I'm I'm such a big Blade of the Immortal fan that, and this was so different and I was like I don't <laughs> I don't know how to feel about this. So, I'm still on the fence about it, but I would probably give it uh at least a couple more volumes there's not very many of them out and i agree with you about the covers they're a little i don't know they're a little wonky i see them in the store a lot so yeah
1: so there's like eight volumes out
2: Mm -hmm.
0: yeah according to wikipedia there's nine out in japan so that Mm. makes sense getting Uh, there yeah the anime's not terrible they just rearranged a couple of scenes and i have honest to god no idea why i feel like they make things more confusing than less But you do get the benefit of everything being voiced, and you get to hear Minari's voice actress just do, like, these incredibly long tangents, and what certainly sounds like one take.
1: Yeah, that's one of the things that uh, falls under the uh, ink method of watching anime is, um, if it's something that is audio-related, like a radio show, it's much better to watch the anime of. Um, I still can't believe I got ink to read this before you, Corey.
0: Do you know how hard it is to get get ink to, like, read manga and watch anime? It is like dragging a horse to water. It is very difficult to make them drink. Yeah. You'd be incredibly stubborn.
1: <laughs> yeah. I got through most of the second volume for this one. I think I have one chapter left before we start recording. But, um, I really like this one. Uh, I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, like you said, Colin, I like, I like the parks where uh, they say absurd things and then they come true. Um, for example, Minari, the main character, has just broken up with her boyfriends, um... And then she does a radio drama about a woman who is going to kill her boyfriend with a knife, which is exactly what is happening to her boyfriend in real life. And like uh, the the woman who is trying to kill her happens to be listening to this radio broadcast at that time, and she just like runs out of the the apartment, freaked out that a radio drama about what she is doing is happening. Um, yeah, and you
0: have to understand that in the manga. There's that episode, that's, like, the first episode, then there's kind of, like, a second episode in the same veins. And then the third episode is the one where Minari and her co-worker go to the neighbor's place that appears to be haunted. For some reason, the anime switched up um, episodes two and three of their radio drama. So it seems like they did this first episode, and then the guy has, like, faxed them this plea for help out with, like, nothing else to go on.
2: I'm going to hear you all talk about (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I also want to make it clear...
0: That Minari is the kind of character that I enjoy reading about, but would absolutely hate to be friends with in real life. (laughs) She is definitely not exactly trash, but she's exhausting. (laughs) In my opinion, that is part of the appeal of the story getting to read about this without having to be you know emotionally involved with somebody like this
1: yeah i don't know if minare is by uh and i don't know what the the definition of disaster by is but i imagine it's just minare
0: (laughs) she's definitely disaster something
1: you know maybe it's just disaster straight like
0: i don't know her and her assistant like i don't know there are some vibes there there are definitely some vibes there and i think both of them are too chicken to look into the vibes
1: yeah uh yeah, I was I was reading it. I was like, Minagre, why are you going after these assholes like Mitsuo or the uh the chef at the curry restaurant that she works at? Just well, she's with.
0: not going after him. He's kind of going after her, but then the sister of the guy who hit the boss, you know, was working yep. at the restaurant to help, but he she's also trying to like escape from her brother since he's like super controlling and then eventually she gets like secretly involved in a radio show as well, writing jokes and stuff like that, but none of the cast is um, clued on to that at the point I'm at yet, so...
1: Yeah, there's a lot going on I, in this manga. I, and I,
0: I, I enjoyed this level of shenanigans.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, through two volumes even, or I guess almost two volumes, I feel like I barely scratched the surface of what's going to happen in this. Um, I mean, obviously, since there's eight volumes, but, like... It feels like she is going to get into this world of radio, and, um, well, I mean, it doesn't just feel that way. You told me, Helen, well, as you introduced this, <laughs> the, the, the manga, but um, it, it really feels like there's going to be so much more going on um, from just reading it and not listening. But yeah, April, I'd definitely
0: be interested to hear if
1: you end up reading, like, the second
0: volume or watching some of the anime, if it clicks with oh, you or know. not, since... When you were talking about the humor last time in Way of the House Husband, and I feel like the humor is a little similar here, so I could see you enjoying those parts, but I'm not sure. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it, I think the main thing for me is I just haven't connected with the main character yet. I, 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 even in reading it, I can sense that she has a unique voice. Like I can almost hear her voice in my head, but I just haven't connected with her yet. I think it takes, it'll take two or three volumes to do that. But yeah, if you say that it's in any way similar to House Husband, I'll have to look at it because I still, I still laugh about that one. And I got <laughs> another volume from my library. So, <laughs> I'm yes, still enjoying
0: th- that one. I think part of the appeal of House Husband is like, the absurd takes on like, a normal situation mm-hmm. in a sense. Or like, I'm still laughing about the, and then we waterboard it joke for a Wash <laughs> and <so. laughs> still funny. <laughs> and, and I feel like it's kind of along the same lines here of, oh, we need to do something and then it just turns into something a little more absurd. Like, I forget why, but, like, Minari's apartment's getting renovated at the beginning. No, it's not because it's not because of the meat locker thing. It's actually for some other reason. So she's, like, initially just carrying all of her stuff into the studio, and she's like, yeah, I'll just find a closet, and I'll just live here for a couple of weeks. It's fine. Mm-hmm.
1: And that's how she ends up at uh, Chihiro, I think, is her name? Her place?
0: That sounds about right. Um, the assistant. Yeah. Chishiro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chishiro is the one who gets kidnapped by the cult with <laughs> Minari. Of course, yeah. And, like the old writer guy as well kareko they also get he's also the one who gets kidnapped and there's a part where minari escapes but she gets so lost in the woods she just goes back to their captors after like <gasps> a day <laughs> <laughs> and she escapes out the window too with like she's in the bathroom where there's no cameras watching them and so she inflates like this inflatable tent that she bought for a couple hundred dollars and she uses that to like bounce out of the window so she doesn't hurt herself when she breaks her fall and oh just
2: <laughs> from the same person that wrote blade of the immortal
0: i have no idea what blade of the immortal is even about i'm just assuming it's like very gory <laughs> it is maybe you should tell us about it in another episode april <laughs> well,
1: we should talk about we'll, it have to, we'll have to compare the two <laughs> Dark Horse has been putting out those, like, giant hardcover volumes that, like, are really nice and I don't know how to read because they're so large and heavy and bulky.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Or or are they, like, the size that, like, makes your hands tired after holding them for a bit?
1: Yep, exactly.
0: Mm -hmm. Where, like, like,
1: I have to prop up my legs and read it off of there instead.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I was thinking, like... I've got that big, like, 17 volume in one Spice and Wolf edition. (laughs) And I feel like I need to get one of those cradles you have at archives when you're reading, like, a very delicate book that you can't open up all the way. Like, I feel like I need one of those just to put the book in there so that I don't have to hold it myself. Because, yeah, otherwise you find yourself sitting in, like, odd positions just to prop up the book.
1: Yep. Those are the weirdest kinds of books.
0: Wait, so has Blade of the Immortal, like, never fully come out here, then? I thought it was no, over, hat? like, a decade ago. What happened?
1: 30 volumes. Uh, oh, no. English language volume list. Uh, 31 volumes. Okay. <laughs> 2015 was the last one, and I guess they've just been re-releasing them. Oh, okay. Like the Berserks. The Berserks. Yep. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But yeah, I'm glad this last-minute pivot was um, appreciated by you guys, since Corey was the one who brought it up, and I was like, yes, I can definitely talk about this series. I've been reading it since Kodansha started putting it out in, like, 2015? 2016? Maybe a little later than that, but yeah.
1: 2015 (laughs) sounds about right. The first one came out in July of 2014 in Japan, and I think that was the chapter, too. Oh, no,
0: 2017. That's when Kodansha began releasing it digitally, since... They released, like, the first three volumes digitally. And this is when Kodansha was, like, starting to do digital-only releases in the U.S. And then they just stopped for ages until the anime (laughs) adaptation was announced. And then they started
1: publishing new ones. One of those. And then then they caught up with the print releases. It was strange, but they did that for a couple of series. (laughs) Yeah. I think they did it with, like, Chiaifurgo and ASAP Diming.
0: Mm, Chiaifurgo was different, since they didn't, like, even license that until, like... Years after the second season came out, and then... I don't think they really stopped. I think they've been on a pretty steady pace of those. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I was listening to your episode Chihai Chihayafuru earlier today.
1: Oh, nice. I Chris
0: mixing good. up Chihayafuru and March comes like, in like a line was a real mood. <laughs> <laughs>
1: we can never know. Um, Yeah, I like this... Uh, I like this manga a lot. Uh, I blind bought... Like, uh, I found him on sale, or most of them on sale at Book Off. But I blind bought, like, eight volumes of it, so... Um,
0: oh, all and almost. <laughs> yeah,
1: glad I'm liking it. Uh, um, I think I did hear like there was a little blade of the immortal manga, and I've never read that, but I know that you like April, so like I also have blind faith in that. Flattering. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, I liked it. I'm glad I like it because I have eight volumes. But um, <laughs> I'm gonna continue reading them. I'll finish this chapter as I end the podcast, I guess.
0: Continue to post pictures on Twitter with. Yeah, I'm so glad you looked up who that baseball player was that she was referencing at first, because when I was reading the volume, I was like, I wonder who this is, but I don't wonder enough to <laughs> look him <them> up. <laughs> Obscure Japanese baseball players who were active in circa 2015. <laughs>
1: yeah. Apparently he's still active. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, but he did mention, that uh, this was in the first volume, she says uh, that M- Mitsuo called him, in baseball terms, I'd say your looks are about Ono level compared to the girls back home. And then the, the radio person he's talk, she's talking to says, "Huh? Oh, from the ham fighters, right?" So I looked at this looked up this Ono, and, and if my research is correct, he is a decent taking catcher, slugged under 300 in 2015, which is the copyright gig of the manga. Um, and 300 slugging is not very good. You typically want to see like 500 for uh, an all-star level player. 400 for just like your decent bench guy that is i mean especially for captures because their offensive production is not as expected and now i'm getting really into the week so i'll just stop here
0: so what you're <laughs> saying is that this was a real burn yes
1: yes
2: okay
0: <laughs> on that note Corey, let's take us out
1: <laughs> Yeah. yes where can we find everybody <laughs> online
2: you can find me on twitter at Red. i'm still there and still alive and um, still read manga
1: thinking about leg of the <laughs> yeah
2: yeah <laughs>
0: Just changing that to your, like, location on Twitter, thinking about Blade of the Immortal. <laughs> That's a pretty... Uh, you can find uh, the other podcast I co-host and my reviews, including my reviews on Wave, listen to me, over at theoasg.com. The podcast for it is called It's Not My Fault the OASG Podcast is Still Not Popular. I was not involved in the title of this podcast. <laughs> I came onto it later. <laughs>
1: um, And you find me on Twitter, at K, though, as I'm in the KI for podcast, I am constantly thinking about whether I should change it or not.
0: No, stay with it. It's a brand.
1: <laughs> can I always change my branding. Though it'll be like uh, whenever I look at Randy's act and I'm like, that's not who you are. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess like, it's a brand. Um, you can find this podcast on Twitter at Smogging Your Ears and you can find all of our podcasts over at taikupodcast.com that's T-A-I-I-K-U um, We're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify if you want us anywhere else let me know. I usually don't say that but I mean it. Uh, every time I don't say it. Uh, <laughs> but that's it. Next thing in the episode, we're gonna talk about manga next time.
0: Bye,